everybody. Hey, uh, welcome to church. If you're new, we are so excited that you're here. Thanks for joining us this morning, um, not just in the room, but, but online. We're, we're super stoked you're here. Uh, one of the things you need to know about our church is we just are passionately in love with Jesus, and we think he's the answer to everything. And so we're going to talk about him this morning. Um, we, we pray in Jesus' name. We worship him and sing songs. And we're going to open up um, the good book here in just a couple minutes and learn more about him and how we can apply it to his life. So that's a little bit about our church. If you're new, just a quick overview. Um, Something you need to know about me as just a a pastor who's up here teaching a lot is, um, you've probably figured this out too, I'm not what what you would normally call like a rule follower by default. I'm a, amen? Uh, Might better be described more as a rule breaker uh, from time to time. I I I don't know if it's my personality or if I just have this thing in me. But like, part of me just wants to go and break the rule. If you say I can't do it, there's something inside of me that says, oh, yes, I can't, you know, and I just, like, this fake machismo rises up inside of me, and I just, rah, I want to do it. But like, some of it, okay, some of it is just straight up defiance, I'll be honest. Some of it's straight up defiance. If you tell me the speed limit is whatever, um, I'm going to go faster. And and here's the deal. Uh, See, I grew up in Southern California, and we're known for our wonderful driving skills. Speed limits are our guidelines, suggestions even. Uh, and then moving to Washington, one of the first things I noticed was not the weather, but the slow driving. I don't know if you know this or not, some of the slowest drivers in the world right here in Washington. And you can always spot them out when they're in a different state, especially California, because you're like, oh man, you're like, literally, you think this is in fact the limit. It's not, you can go faster, right? That's just the Southern California in me speaking. Um, I used to do this a lot too, uh, you know, especially when I, I was a teenager and in, in, into college. <clears throat> um, so I would go to the movie theater a lot, and I don't know if you know this or not, but it was like $8 for one Skittle. And that seemed outrageous. So uh, when I got a girlfriend, I may or may not have, well, we confided in one another and we came up with a plan to be a little bit defiant and to sneak in our own water bottles, our own candy bars in a purse, uh, nachos at one point, because it was a big purse. So put them in a tray. Don't, don't just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you're sitting here going, okay, so you're a pastor, you're in church, like what? Why are we doing it? Like, not a good example, Steve. Um, and before you start judging me, just calm down because you've broken rules too. Um, like I said, some of them are defiant. Some of them are curiosity. When it says wet paint, um, don't touch wet paint. What do I want to do? I want to touch it, just to be curious. Now, I've grown, I've matured. I can, my eyesight is better, even with the glasses. I, I can tell when the paint is actually dry or when it's wet. But every once in a while, you're not sure. You're not sure. So you just got to test it. Um, there are other things where, like, uh, you know, no trespassing, I want to go on the other side. The, the signs that say slippery than wet, I'm like, okay, prove it. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm going to get shoes on, let's, some water, and see if it is slippery. And I, I, there's just something inside of me that if the sign says, don't do this, I want to do it. If the sign says, it is going to be this way, I'm going to say, mm, no, it's not. There's just something inside of me, and I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just terrible character. <laughs> Oh, we can chalk it up to that. I I don't know. But the phrase, um, it's easier to ask for forgiveness than permission. I'm familiar with that one. I may have used it once or twice. Now, again, you're judging me because you are the saints. And I understand this. But I want to level the playing field a little bit. So here's what we're going to do. I need everybody to stand up. We're going to play a quick little game called sit down if. I need everybody to stand up. (laughs) Including, Including the people that rolled their eyes as soon as I said that. 
Thank you. That makes me feel loved. Um, <laughs> you ready? Okay, we're going to start off real simple. Sit down if you've ever touched wet paint when the sign says, do not touch. If it said, don't touch, and you've touched it, sit down. <laughs> not too bad. Here's another one. Bunch of rebels. Look at you. Just defiant people. Wow. Y'all need Jesus. Uh, here's another one. Here's another one. The tags that are on mattresses or pillows or some of the safety warnings, the, the do not remove tag. If you remove that bad boy, sit on down. Okay. It's so... It's so funny to see like the sinners at different services, like where you've broken those rules. If that didn't get you, um, I think this one might. Check this out. Here it is. <laughs> there it is. If you've ever illegally downloaded music on Napster, on LimeWire, on Kazaa, or a bunch of other things. Last service is fascinating. Last service, that was the deal breaker. Like everyone just sat down, so. I think that's hilarious. Okay, for those of you still standing, um, like kudos, you're so righteous. I'm so glad you're here. We need great examples. Uh, secondly, I'm gonna get you on this one. If you drive, if you drive. If you have ever stopped past the line of the stop sign, if you've ever rolled that baby, <laughs> sit on down. There it is, all right. All right, everybody sit down. If you're online, sit down. Everybody sit down. <laughs> And it's so good just to come to church and judge people. And they're like, I knew it. I knew they would sit down. I knew it. Like, Did you see? Did you see? He sat down. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you have to go online and see the differences between the two services. I'm telling you, it's awesome. Uh, one of the things I didn't mention was, was anything in, in regards to relationships with other people. Uh, and, and we break the rules in those things all the time. Uh, some of them... Um, some of them are, are, they're unspoken, aren't they? You just sort of assume or you just kind of know that these are the terms of the relationship. These are the rules. Uh, like I said, some spoken, some unspoken. But as your relationship progresses, you tend to learn. And what's fascinating, at least in my marriage, is when I was dating Darcy, we, we were dating and we were so in love and we thought we had this thing on lockdown. Like we figured it all out. And we got married and all of a sudden, some of those rules just shifted a little bit. Anyone, like after a couple of years of marriage, you're like, oh, we're changing. We're becoming different people. And what's interesting is like, we can laugh and giggle about some of the other rules that we break, which if we're honest, the consequences of that aren't nearly as big as the consequences of breaking relationships. Because when you break a rule in a relationship, not only have you crossed the line, but you've actually broken trust. And it takes a while to get that back, doesn't it? When trust has been broken, the relationship needs to mend. We need to work on some things. For sure, we have some communication that we have to work through. And it takes a lot of work. Now, here's what I think is funny about, about Christians, and I am one, so I love us. Um, Christians are great because we'll admit that like we break those rules, like the ones I just listed, and we'll even giggle about it, and that's okay. Um, but when it comes to like breaking God's rules, we're very quiet about it. Do you know what I mean? Like, we don't like to lead with that. We don't like to just say, okay, so I sinned and here's a command and I, I didn't do the command. And here's why I think this is funny because we're a peculiar bunch. I think this is funny because by definition, to be a Christian, you have to admit that you're a rule breaker, that you're a sinner in need of a savior. Are you with me? But I, I think we're funny people and I do this as well. So I'm not picking on anybody, but like sometimes we come to church and we like, 
we put our mask on. God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. Bless you, brother. And inside, we're, we don't feel that way. And, and we tend to be playing. And we're, you know, like we've broken some rules. And the weight of our sin is, is carrying on, on our shoulders. And it, it gets heavy. Now, here's where I'm going with all of this stuff. I'm not proud of our sin. I'm not saying we should sin. In fact, we shouldn't. It, clearly, it's destroying our lives and our relationships and the things we love. Right? What I am saying is that we should be honest about our sin. There's a big difference between admitting our sin, hello, we're all here gathered in the name of Jesus because he saves us of our sin. But if we don't admit that we have sin and we've broken God's laws, people think we're perfect. And I don't know about you, but the reason I show up every Sunday is because I'm not perfect and that I need a savior. Do you see the cycle that this goes into? But when we throw the mask on and we pretend like we haven't broken any rules, who are we kidding? We're not living honest lives. And so we just broke that rule. Do, do you see how this works? And so what we're gonna do this morning is we're gonna dive into um, a, a big famous chunk of scripture. And it's gonna be all about rules. And I'm telling you, there's a lot of them. 10 of them are super famous, but if you keep reading, if you go Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, you're gonna realize there's 613 of these laws. 613 of these rules. There's a lot, that's just the five beginning books of the Bible. That's a big book. There's a lot in there. And so some of you, you already think you know what we're talking about, because in the beginning we kicked off, we started talking about Genesis, the next book is is Exodus, and we talk about this guy right here, this character. Some of you may know, it'll look familiar. Charlton Heston. If, if you're young, girl, this might be better for you. And if you're way young, um, your childhood, you've been deprived of a lot of good things. We're talking about Moses. We're talking about Moses. And Moses is one of the most influential figures in the Bible. If you were a young Jewish kid growing up, Moses was like the greatest action figure ever. That's the one everyone fought over as little boys and girls. They, Moses was the biggest of the biggest of deals. He was huge. So if you have a Bible, open up to Exodus chapter 19. We're gonna look at the 10 commandments, but this is a little context leading up to the 10 commandments. So Exodus 19, and we'll pick it up in verse three. So go ahead and flip there in your Bibles. I wanna give you some context here. Um, Israelites are in Egypt. They're, they're being fruitful and multiplying and increasing their number, <laughs> having a lot of babies. And if you remember week one, that was God's command to Adam and Eve, right? Be fruitful and multiply. And so, boom, they're doing it. To the point that Pharaoh is looking at all these Israelite babies and going, holy smokes. There could be an uprising here. They could essentially run me out of town. So he doesn't like that. So he um, snaps this decree into place and he commands that, okay, we're gonna drown all the Israelite babies, all the, all the boys, we're gonna throw them in, in the Nile River. Well, Israel doesn't like that. That's a big deal. That's not fun. That's not good. Do you see what the, the tension is in this story so far? This is not a good thing, especially if you are a new mom and a new dad because your kiddo's going plop straight in the Nile. This is a big deal. So they cry out to God. God, of course, hears them raises up a leader. This leader's name is Moses. And if you're familiar with the movies, you have the whole thing, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, no. And then Moses said, let my people go. And you got the plagues and there's craziness. Finally, Pharaoh goes, yes, get out of town. So Israel's a nation. They go, they get out of town. They cross the Red Sea. Just a phenomenal miracle. It still just blows my mind. It's like, okay, here's water. And then God just goes, and parts it, and they cross on dry land, and then the Egyptians are coming after them, and they're like, oh, no, come back, we're gonna kill you, and then pff, the waters just close, and they drown and die. 
Like what an epic story and Israel's on the other side, just safe. As if God was their protector. Like unbelievable story. So here's where our passage picks up. Moses and the Israelites are walking around. They come to a mountain that we call Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai. And it's in Exodus 19 verse three where we pick it up. It says this. Then Moses went up to God and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, this is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel. Verse four, you yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself, right? You got the plagues, the Red Sea, yeah, all the things. Verse five, now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests, okay, representing God's rule here on earth, and you will be a holy nation, like distinct, set apart, different from everyone else, right? These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. Okay, you got it? He says, okay, you obey me fully, keep the covenant, do all these things, you will be this treasure of mine. You will be different from the whole world. In fact, through your differentness, if that's a word, your holy you're gonna be so different, so set apart that everyone in the world is gonna to look to you and they're gonna see your God and they're gonna want a relationship. They're gonna to want to know your God. Enter the 10 commandments. Now, before we do, number one in your notes and then we'll jump to the 10 commandments. Number one, God wants relationship with humanity. I, I didn't write the name Israel, although he definitely wants that. His chosen people. God wants relationship with humanity. Israel is the vehicle to have that. Okay, so number one, God wants relationship with humanity. Now, hopefully you have your Bibles because I'm gonna read the Ten Commandments. We're gonna go through those on the Bible, but on the TV, we're gonna put basically just an abbreviation of what the Ten Commandments are. Are you ready? Yes. All right, here we go. And God spoke all these words. I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. So here we go. Have no other gods. So far, so good? Did we stumble on the first one? Okay, here we go. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commands. Okay, number two, you shall not make or bow down to an idol. Verse seven, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. This is uh, to come in the name of someone or to represent someone to misuse the Lord's name. It is, um, when you do something in their name, it is as if that person is there doing the thing. So for example, if Israel comes around and they're, they're not loving and uh, they don't promote justice, they don't care for one another, they're not generous, they are misrepresenting God, they are misusing his name. His name, if you will, has been used or represented in vain. This is a big deal. This happens all the time. If you make an oath that says, I promise on Thursday night that I will, just a random example, clean out the garage and you don't do it and your spouse looks at you and says, you promised in the name of God that you would do this thing on Thursday, clean out the garage like you said you would. Sorry, babe, I'll get to it. And I don't do it. I have misused the Lord's name. I have used it in vain. I have not fulfilled my oath. Why is that misusing his name? Because God is faithful. When he says he will do something, he does the thing, right? This, this is a very big one. This is important. 
Okay, verse eight, keep going. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, right? Set apart, it's gotta be a different thing. Verse nine, six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not work, neither you nor your son, your daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals. That's kind of hard to keep them in check. They kind of have a mind of their own, right? (laughs) Nor any foreigner residing in your town. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Okay, keep the Sabbath holy. Here we go. All the parents love this one. Verse 12, honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God has given you. Amen? Amen. Pop quiz. How long is your mother and father your mother and father? Forever, ever, ever, ever. Forever. There always are, which means you always have to what? And again, mom and dad said, amen. Make sure you show that one to your kiddos. By the way, if you're a full-grown adult, they're still mom and dad, aren't they? Just saying. Honor your father and mother. Okay, speed round for the next couple ones. You shall not murder, which means don't murder. Verse 14, you shall not commit adultery, which means don't have sex with anyone other than your spouse. And if you're not married, you can't have sex with them because potentially, well, first off, they're not your spouse because you like it, but you didn't put a ring on it, to quote Beyonce. The second thing is, that person could inevitably become someone else's spouse, not yours. So a great rule of thumb, a great commandment is don't have sex with anyone you're not married to because you're not married to them. Okay, verse 15. That's a whole other sermon. Mm. Okay, verse 15. You shall not steal. So all of us who downloaded Napster way back in the day broke it, didn't we? Didn't we? Everyone illegally downloading movies? We won't talk about that. That's too relevant, right? We can talk about the sin in the past, not the current day one. Okay. All right, keep going. We'll keep going. Verse 16. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. So a great way to summarize it, don't lie about your neighbor. No rumors. No gossip. No deceit. If it isn't true, don't say it. That's a pretty good one. I like that one. I don't like people spreading false things about me. You probably don't either, right? Okay, here we go. Verse 17. You shall not covet your neighbor's house, even if it's really nice. Like, don't do that. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. So don't crave your neighbor's stuff. What's great is God is setting this up through Moses to Israel. He's, he's saying, look, I'm your God. You're my people. You got what you need. I'm gonna take care of you. This is your stuff. Your neighbor has their stuff. And wouldn't it be great if we were just content with our stuff? And because we're the people of God and we're so generous because our God is so generous, what's mine is inevitably gonna become yours. And what's yours is inevitably, be, inevitably going to be mine. We're going to share and we're gonna be generous. So we don't have to covet each other's stuff. We can just be grateful for what we have. Do you get like the principles from these things? Like it, it, it's really good. It's really good. Okay, now here's the deal. How many of you think, these are just the 10. How many of you think out of the 10, Plus the other 603, you broke at least one command. Just, okay, if you didn't raise your hand, you're a liar. (laughs) We just covered that. So I'm gonna need a full participation and focus here. Um, (laughs) So imagine you're an Israelite. 
you've got these 10 and then you got the 613, right? And you're like, oh my goodness. There's probably a couple laws in there that you didn't even know that you were breaking, but you're probably breaking those. That's a safe assumption. And after a while, because I tend to be a little bit of a rule breaker, I'm sorry, help me Jesus. Some of you are judging me, but that's wrong. So you broke that rule. <laughs> Come on, Steve, focus. We're, imagine you're an Israelite and you're living your life. You're doing your thing. You're, you're raising your cattle. You, you got your grain. You got all your stuff. And every time you sin, there has to be this sacrifice, which means the animal has to die, right? You've got your goats, your sheep, your bird. There's all these laws and rules about how to go about the sacrifice given the certain sin. All of it is detailed out. But inevitably, you're gonna come to the point where your sin is stacking up, but you ain't got enough animals. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? That's when you start covering your neighbor's ox or whatever. You're like, actually, I'm gonna need to borrow that and you won't get it back, I promise. But like... Do you see what I'm saying? So you get to the point because you're buying a cattle and you're swapping all these things around. You're sitting here going, man, if only there was a way that I could stop doing all these sacrifices. What if, what if there was a way to get one lamb, one spotless, perfect lamb that died for all of my sins, past, present, and future? Wouldn't that be good news? Amen. And actually, what if, what if this lamb not only covered all of my sin, but it took care of my neighbor's sin Amen. and my family's sin? Wouldn't that be, that'd be good news, wouldn't it? And what if, what if for all of Israel, it just took care of all of Israel's sin? And then work with me for a second. This would be really good news. What if this spotless lamb took on the sins of all of humanity? We would call that good news, right? Enter Jesus. This is incredible. Jesus is the spotless lamb that takes away the sin of all Humanity. See, the law of Moses was good at doing two things. One, setting Israel apart so the nations would look at Israel and they would see their God, different than all the other gods, speaks things into, into existence. Boom. Second thing, it was really good of holding up a mirror so we could see our sinfulness, to see that God is up here and we are down here. And I'm being so generous by saying we're down here. Really, we're like way down there. And it was really good at those things. So here comes Jesus lives a perfect life, follows the law, fulfills the law. He's the eternal sacrifice for the sins of humanity. Look look what he says. Let's read this in Matthew 27, verse 50. And when Jesus cried out in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit, right? You'll read throughout the other gospels. He's crying out. He'll say, it is finished. Verse 51, at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, He's saying, it is finished. What what is his mission? He He has fulfilled the law. The curtain that separated the Holy of Holies that only the high priest can come into, that sucker ripped in half, signifying that everyone has access to divine. Everyone has access to God. Everyone, through Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection, has access to God. This is a really big deal. Keep going. Jesus is the high priest. Galatians chapter three, verse 24 says this. So the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by, what's the word? By faith, not the law. Romans 6, 14 says this. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but you are under grace. Number two in your notes. We are no longer under the law of Moses, but under the law of Christ. We are no longer under the law of Moses, but the law of Christ. Listen to what Hebrews chapter eight, verse 13 says. By calling this covenant new, he has made the first one obsolete. And what is obsolete and outdated will soon disappear. Your Bible and mine, because we have the same one, is divided into two sections. You have the Old Testament and you have the 
New Testament. Another word for testament is covenant. You have the old covenant, which is the Mosaic covenant. You have the new covenant, which is the covenant of Christ. So we're going to look at this new covenant. What does it mean to be under the law of grace? What was the command, the law that Christ gave to everyone? Go to John. You need to, you need to do this in your Bible. Go to John, John chapter 13. John 13, verse 34. As you're turning there, um, God gave the law to Moses. Moses gave the law to the 12 tribes of Israel. You with me so far? Okay. Jesus is having a conversation with his 12 disciples. Hear me out. Verse 34, this is huge. A new command I give you. Okay, hold on. Only God can give commands. And Jesus is like, yeah, I know. Connect the dots. See what I'm doing here. A new one, he says, a new command I give you. Love one another. And you're like, that's not new. We get that. 613. We, we understand. There's 613 laws. Like, love people. We get that. He says, no, 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 no. Here's how. As I have loved you. So the new thing is you need to love people the way that I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, by loving people the way he loves us, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. Not the way you vote. Although that's important. Not your morality, although that's important. Not because you don't smoke, chew, or do, or go with people that do, whatever that phrase is. Some of you know it. By this, by this new command to love one another as I have loved you, the whole world will know that you are my disciples. If you want to know what Jesus looks like, he's saying you need, people will look at you and the way that you unconditionally and sacrificially love everyone, they will see the way that I unconditionally and, sacrifi- I <laughs> unconditionally and sacrificially love everyone. Amen. This is massive. Only God can do this. So here's what this means. Number three in your notes. We don't get to choose who we love or place conditions on how we love others. I will say it again because the amen... It was really small and quiet. We don't get to choose who we love or place conditions on how we love others. Amen. Here's why this is huge. Because Jesus didn't do that for us. How dare we do that to other people that he loves that are made in his image? This is huge. Now you have to understand, I am self-admitted a rule breaker. I do not do this well. And after studying and reading these things and going over sermon prep, I just sat there and went, oh my gosh, this is a far bigger deal than I have realized. This is everything. Our one law, our huge command is to love people the way that God loves us. Sacrificially, unconditionally. Everybody. Humanity is made in his image. Even the people I don't like. Even the other sinful people, even fill in the blank, those people, I have to unconditionally love them. I get to unconditionally love them. This is a simpler law, but far more demanding. Some of us, if you're like me, we want to go back to the old law. We just, you know, because here's what Jesus does. He says this, you've heard this on the Sermon of the Mount. He says, you've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. And you're like, okay, cool. I haven't done that. He says, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. 
So it used to be, well, I'm a good person because I didn't steal for you and I'm, I'm not having sex with your wife. So therefore I'm loving. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. He says, you can't even think a lustful thought about another person. That's, that's what, you think you're good. You think you're loving because you're not stealing from people. You're not having sex with someone else's spouse and you're just in your lane doing your thing. He says, no, 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 no. You need to be generous to everybody. You need to not have lustful thoughts about everybody. Why? Because it's bad? Yeah, but more importantly, it's not loving. This is huge. It's simpler to understand than the 613s, but the demand goes through the roof. Um, Inevitably, if we carry this out, we're gonna find people that we don't like inside the church. We're gonna find people we don't understand. We're gonna find people that we don't want to like and understand. (laughs) I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit has been convicting me so much this week. And basically, thank you. I'm getting better, guys. And basically, the Lord is telling me that this is a terrible excuse to not be generous to people, to not listen to people, to not share with people, to not love people. It's like, Steve, that's not how I treat you. Why are you treating my children that way? There's a verse that uh, is so powerful to me. It's Galatians chapter three, verse 26. It says, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. We're all children of God. We're in the family of God. And not like a dysfunctional family, but like a really healthy and joyful and good life-giving family. Verse 27, for all of you who are baptized in Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ There is neither Jew nor Gentile, nor slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all what? One in Christ Jesus. Paul just listed racial divides, socioeconomical divides, and gender and sexuality divides. He just let, you are all, if you, listen, if you come to church or I see you in town and, and you confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior and I do too, guess what that means? We're one, we're in the same family which means I must have unconditional love for you and you must have unconditional love for me. Just imagine what that looks like for just one second. Imagine what that looks like for people in your family. Imagine what that looks like for people that you've had difficult conversations with at church and you did not reconcile the relationship. What does that look like to put all of our differences aside and come together and say, I can worship Jesus and you can worship Jesus. What a beautiful thing. Cause he unconditionally loved us. That's amazing. That is good news. And when the world comes and sees the church doing this, they're going to go, there must be a God. And we're going to go, yeah, it's Jesus. Do you want to get to know him? That's inside the church. But what about outside the church? We'll keep going in Galatians chapter six, verse nine. It says, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we'll reap a harvest of righteous or we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. Verse 10, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to what? All people, just the ones we like? Just the ones that are in our political party? Just the ones that are in our family? Just the one that we have the same hobbies with? Do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. Okay, I'm going long. I'm I'm gonna end, I promise. Um, Imagine if we unconditionally and sacrificially loved everyone all the time, Um, I'm going to pick one category. What would your social media look like? 
if that was our experience, if, if that was the norm and we settled for nothing less? Could you, like everyone you meet online, like you just unconditionally loving them. Yeah, but they posted that thing and it drove you nuts. I get it, I get it. But we responded with unconditional love. <laughs> what would that look like? I'll tell you what it would look like if you can't jump to that conclusion yourself, which I'm sure you did. But you know what that would look like? A lot less stress and anger, Amen. which is not a fruit of the spirit, by the way. It's love, joy, peace. I'm just picking on social media right now, but like your families, your work environment, your spouse, as we're, ra- as we're raising kids, unconditional sacrificial love. What if that was the norm? And what if we actually like, you know, we were bothered by the fact that that wasn't the norm in other brothers and sisters in Christ. And what if we had conversations and when people confronted us, what if we listened and didn't get defensive because we knew that they unconditionally loved us and they were just pointing out a blind spot or an area of growth. Might that feel like the kingdom of God? This is incredible. Now I know what you're thinking. You're like, first off, we're gonna need a lot of help. This is a tall order. Uh, And secondly, we're gonna need a lot of help. Like this is a tall order. <laughs> I came up with one quick phrase and I, I wanna invite the band up because we gotta pray, we gotta sing and we gotta go because we have to get out of here and love people unconditionally. But, but here, here's, here's a phrase that I think is so helpful and I, I made it up and it rhymes so I get bonus points, okay? This right here. Whatever you say, think and do, I will love you. Whatever you or whatever anyone says, however they think, and whatever their actions are, I will love you. Why? Because that's how Jesus loves me. And I follow him. And he directs my path. I'm, I'm telling you, this will change everything. This will change your relationship with your kids. This will change your relationships with your boss, with your coworkers. This will change your relationship with political figures. This will change your relationship with humanity. And humanity will look at the people of God and say, you're different, you're holy. There's something unique and special about you. What is it? And we go, it's Jesus. I'm a sinful rule breaker. This is who I am. This is who he is. And he has met me in the middle and provided a way out. So here's what I want us to do. We're gonna do this three times. I want you to simply say it out loud and repeat it with me. Ready? One, two, three. Whatever you say, think, and do, I will love you. Okay, do it again. Whatever you say, think, and do, I will love you. Last time. Whatever you say, think, and do, I will love you. Father God, that is our prayer. Would you help us to be those people as we walk in your name, In your son's name, may we not do it in vain, Father, but may we be so obedient. And may we see humanity, not as different people, different categories or subgroups or anything, but would we see them as people made in your image, people that you love unconditionally and that you have died for. So Father, help me, help me to set aside my differences, my preferences, And even my insecurities, Father, so that I can love people the way your son Jesus did. That is my desire. If there's anyone in this room with your eyes closed, head bowed, and you're like, man, this is is a struggle for me and I need the Holy Spirit's guidance and help for this. Like like me, would you simply just raise your hand? I wanna pray for you. 
I wanna pray for you. If you say, Holy Spirit, help me, because there are people I do not like. And I cannot yet say whatever people say, think, and do, I'm gonna love them. I can't say it today. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Father, for the people in this room and the people online with their hands raised, Father, first we confess the sin and we thank you for your grace and your forgiveness of the sins. Father, give us a glimpse of how you have loved us unconditionally, even though we have thought impure thoughts, we've said hurtful things, Father, and we have acted in sinful ways. I pray, Lord, that we would hold a mirror up and we would see ourselves and our brokenness and we would see you and your faithfulness and goodness. And Father, help us to see humanity the same way. Help us, Father. Would your spirit move today and bring us faces and names in situations where we can start loving people unconditionally and sacrificially. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me? We're gonna close by singing one last song.